never thought I'd preach or pastor, never wanted to do any of it, uh, but it's a burden, uh, a joyful burden. I've learned a bunch of lessons um, about myself as a pastor, and I'll be the first one to admit I've made a bunch of mistakes as a pastor uh, in every one of my churches. And so I'm always learning and I'm at the point now where I'm trying to um, pour into other pastors and uh, help them navigate uh, through their situations, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And also uh, pour into them and, and, and be transparent about my mistakes and help them to avoid uh, some of the mistakes that I made as a pastor um, in every one of my churches, including this one um, as a founding pastor, because as a founding pastor, I had no clue what I was doing, save the grace of God um, and a good team around me who worked diligently to get this thing in order um, to make me look good. And so I'm just at the point where I'm just uh, pouring into uh, other pastors, even to the point of um, uh, Bishop, the presiding Bishop, uh, Victor Cousins, um, out of Cincinnati, um, Ohio, um, has um, asked me to um, work on his team and um, lead church renewal and revitalization um, for his reformation. And so that came out of nowhere. Um, but I, I'm, I'm grateful for that um, as well. And so um, to be a part of the Focus International Reformation under the leadership of presiding Bishop uh, Victor Cousins, I was, uh, I was inquiring about that. Um, and then I got a, a text message uh, from Bishop who I've never met. Uh, he heard my story and wanted to draft me in to lead um, um, pastors in revitalization and lead them through um, uh, church plants and help them navigate through um, traditional churches and how to navigate bylaws and constitutions and boards, etc. And so uh, this month has been a, a year of reflection for me. Uh, the bishop is supposed to fly down this month and we're supposed to have a work meeting to chart the course uh, of that particular um, division, pillar uh, of Focus International. And so I'm grateful for that. But I wanted to talk about tonight lessons I've learned um, from pastoring because uh, some of you all never see this side of, of what, what we do. Um, and you'll never understand it uh, because it's not your call, but just to 
give you a glimpse of some things I've learned. It's nothing bad. Um, the first thing I learned as, as a pastor is Strowman is that everyone is fighting a battle you know nothing about. Um, that everybody, everybody in church, uh, regardless of their position, um, uh, how well they look, how well they dress, how well they drive. Everyone in church is fighting a battle that no one else knows about. And I think that's one of the reasons why the church body as a whole um, needs to become more sensitized to the way we handle uh, people in church that that the abrasiveness and the disrespect of some sort or just handling people rough we have to understand that and maybe you're talking harsh and rough or on edge because you you're facing a battle in life maybe so I don't know but I I do know that the older I get, it's it's almost my mother. My mother said this to me a while back, and it took me a long time to understand that because I was young and hot-headed, and 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 I'm abrasive. Uh, I'm straightforward. There's no gray area with me. It's black and white, um, you know. And I was I was always rough. And my mom said, you have to be careful with that because some people can handle you being you and they're okay. And some people you may hurt, you may hurt, you may destroy them, their heart, because you don't know what they're going through. And some people might be close to the edge of a breakdown or suicide, quitting the church, leaving the church, and how you handle them is, 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 is extremely important. Now, there are times where the pastor still has to be the pastor because sometimes people don't understand why you're being nice and you got to get with them where they are. But there's a time and a place for all of that. Uh, uh, but people are fighting battles. And and fellowship, I want it to be a place of love and peace and in, um, inclusion and a uh, place where people... Uh, people will always have disagreements or people will always have see life different see church different see ministry different see how to accomplish certain things different because everyone sees things from a different lens uh, uh, be it be it uh masculine feminine uh be it um pastoral lens laity lens um uh so it's it's the fact that that people will see life in church different, but we have to understand that when everyone walks through those doors, from the pastor on down, that people are fighting battles. Many of you never have a clue when your pastor uh, is preaching depressed, or when he's preaching, or when she's preaching with self-doubt or when they're preaching with financial issues on their mind or marital issues on their minds or 
whatever the case may be. That's why it's not really good to bother the pastor with foolishness before church uh, because he's he or she is trying to get their minds together. Uh, and while you're just laughing and showing up because you just show up, you know, we have to stand between heaven and earth to declare the riches of the word of God, yet while trying to navigate through our own issues. Um, so many pastors have preached with thoughts of suicide and and depression and, and other stuff and people sing in the choir and on the praise team and play and serve in different uh, capacities with so much on their mind. And so, um, let me ask you a question. Why would someone dress up and drive up only to be verbally accosted at church? Uh, the place where they're supposed to find peace and love and inclusion and forgiveness and grace and mercy. Why would anyone um, who gets beat up uh, all week long um drive just to be physically accosted by the pastor or by the people by the staff or anyone else and so we have to understand that just like you want people to love you and to respect you and to be um uh, long suffering concerning you you have to be careful how you talk to people and the excuse of that's just how I am is sophomoric and you're not going to take responsibility for your own immaturity or your own growth. You know why? How do I know? Because that's the same excuse I used to use. That's just who I am. It's just me. And to a point it is, but just because that's me and who I am does not give me the right to be disrespectful or to degrade or talk to anyone who will pass up 80 churches just to come hear me talk or come worship with us. And so that that being you, um, that's who I am, that's no excuse to be disrespectful. That's a, that's a lack of growth. That's a lack of desiring to grow and wanting to do better. And other people have 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 used your excuse and looked over your excuse and let you be you and walked on eggshells around you. And so you think that's okay. And that's not okay because every person who walks in Victory Temple, who walks in Fellowship, who walks in Lakewood, who walks in Brentwood, who walks in St. Mark, St. Luke, or whatever the case may be, everyone is fighting battles. And no one works in hell all week and lives in hell all week and still wants to get and will get dressed only to come to a church to catch more hell. Why? Why, why would I do that? And so understand there has to be a sensitivity and there may be some people around your church and my church who are sick and you have no clue that they're sick. And that's a burden for them. They're going through a divorce and you have no clue. That's a burden for them. They're on the brink of uh, foreclosure or repossession or can't pay their bills or their child is somewhere uh, hooked on a substance and they haven't seen their daughter or their son in weeks because 
They're trying to use tough love as a mother and a father, but it's killing them on the inside. And the place they come for solace and consolation and love and peace is the church. But they, they can't get it because you're nitpicking about this. You're in your feelings about this. You, you don't like this. You're controlling about this. You're, and so now it's just people say, why, why, why even come here? And so the church has to develop a sensitivity. Why? Because we're Christians. We aren't thugs. We aren't gang members. We don't act like the world. We should be different. How do we know we have? How do we know um, uh, we have passed from from death unto life because we love the brethren? Uh, how can you say you love uh, uh, God in whom you've never seen, but yet you hate your brother and your sister? We shouldn't talk to people like we talk to people on the street. Our interaction, our engagement, should not be. Uh, stoic and and and, uh, and 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 with no sensitivity to the the needs and the hearts and the and the and the and 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 the unspoken needs of people. And so I'm 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 just reflecting on that that the church has to be different. Or we can't we can't be the church and look at people in their face and don't speak. Who raised you? Were you raised by wolves, animals? Who raised you? Do you think that's cute? You, you looking at people in in their face and turning your head as and you did it on purpose. Who raised you? It, it's it's uncouth. It's undignified. Uh, it's unchristlike. It shows no tact. It shows no class. It's ignorant. Uh, and I and and I could go on, and so we must be different, and and we must be different. We must be different because we cannot call the church a hospital for the sick and then injure people when they come with their illnesses. We can't call the church a hospital. And what's the point of you inviting people to church only to be rude? What's important? What, what's what's in, what's the what's the point of evangelizing and sharing Christ and sharing Jesus, only for them to come and you be nasty to them and you treat them as if they're less than, uh, living in life's margin that they're destitute. We have to be different. I'm talking about the Catholic Church. The word Catholic means the universal church, but I'm more so talking about fellowship as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, man, I got I got to move because at seven thirty, Green and and Kim and Nikesh and Youngblood they were getting ready to close, and I'm just on my first point. I'm just long-winded, but I pray I'm making sense. And sometimes the pastor has more to say than the associates do, so that can be my excuse. I'm you know I'm I'm being pastoral, so that's my excuse for being long-winded. <laughs> Uh, uh, but, but secondly, um, assume good intentions, you know, um, uh, 
on the flip side, uh, it, it's easy to look at people um, and fixate on what they're doing wrong. You know, um, um, it, it's easy uh, to, to point your finger on what they're doing wrong and how they can do better. Uh, and watch this. While correction has a place, so does kindness and support. Did you get that? Assume good intentions. It's easy to look at imperfect people and fixate on what they're doing wrong and how they can do better. While correction has a place, so does kindness and support. That even if someone did something wrong or made a mistake, guess what? It's not the place to clown them or to loud talk them or to make a face in the sanctuary among people. Now, I must admit, I, I, my face, it normally comes up on my face. I'm trying, it is who I am. See, I, I did that excuse. I'm trying, I'm a, I, if I don't talk, then you'll sit on my face, whether it's good or bad. But here is the thing, even when people make a mistake in church, normally no one knows in the pews or online that a mistake has been made until someone makes a face, talks out of turn, loud talk or whatever, just go with it and help them to correct the mistake after. Because here it is, no one makes a mistake on purpose. No one is trying to embarrass themselves or, the, or their ministry or their gift or the church on purpose. People make mistakes. And so as you go to them, go to them not as their mother or their father or some, some, some authoritarian because you think you have the title and the power to talk to people or to mishandle people, talk to them. And Anderson made a good point. Those who make mistakes, you have to watch this, be able to receive it and not get in your feelings and want to take your bat and ball and go home because someone, hey, listen, 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 hey, listen, I, I, I know you didn't mean to do that, but this is this is what what we were trying to do. So next time when you do this and do that, think about doing it this way. Or if you were not sure, hey, you know, do it this way. You know, it, you know, we we have a habit uh, at, at fellowship that that if you're on to read something, you know, then you know, 
we we ain't saying you can't read, but we, we want to hear you read it first because we don't want you to get up there in front of the etherways and the camera and make a mistake, you know, because we want things to flow right and we want to seem intelligent, you know. And so if you mess up a word, you know, or do something, somebody going to come talk to you. Now, you know, uh, and if you get in your feelings, then you should have came, you know, early enough or talk to the people before and ask them how to pronounce the word or you know, or whatever the case may be. If it's communion time, you know, we, we have a way of doing stuff, but but assume people people have the right intentions. Don't 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 just come at people wrong because and, and this is for my church and to my staff and to my volunteers. There is some stuff that the people of fellowship will take off me. And they ain't going to take off y'all. They'll respect you, but you have to talk to people, not condescending, not disrespectful, not like they're your child. Talk to people with sense, like you were raised right. That, that, that's the whole thing. Common sense, common decency, common respect. And, and don't assume that they made a mistake. Nobody wants to get up in front of a camera. Trust me on this. Nobody wants to get in front of a camera and embarrass themselves on purpose. Nobody wants to get up there and make a mistake on purpose. No, no one, nobody does that. Now, when they do that, guess what? They're probably already feeling, as some would say, some kind of way uh, they're embarrassed already, they're shame already. And so you you going to them with this authoritative mama, I'm your mama type voice or authority is only going to make it worse and escalate the situation. So as Christians, hey, they're already embarrassed. Hey, hey, you good? just checking on you listen 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 um i know you made a mistake hey don't beat up on yourself we've all made a mistake you'll get it right next time hey who among us hadn't made a mistake you forgot the word you couldn't pronounce the word you know well if well for us if you would have gotten that early and read it first or if you would did this and checked and balances because we got stuff in place. But regardless, hey, we 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 go, yeah, we gonna we gonna do it. You know what I'm saying? Because here nobody's above correction. Listen, we're a team, we're a family. I ain't here to pour salt on you. I'm here to build you up to 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 correct you in love so God can look good, the kingdom can look good, past can look good. Uh, and the church can look good and we all look good that and that's what team does assume the best about people don't don't go into church with this negativity you know eyeballing people you know just assume if, if their intentions aren't honorable as grandma say it'll come out in the wash you you don't have to be the protector talk to people with decency and common sense. And Nikisha is right. You know, I told my crew for Bible study, you know, if they would have embarrassed me on Bible study, 
I would have helped them out, but they wouldn't have taught again to 2025. You know, I'm gonna give you time two years to read, learn, and you know, get it together. You know, I'm gonna correct you, you know, uh, but but it's how you talk to people, man. You know, you can you can you can get a person right with a respectful tone. But when you come at people abrasive as if you some street negro, you know, from the cut that and and if you know me, I ain't I don't do that. I don't do I don't do I don't do street, I don't do urban, I don't do uncouth. I don't do none of that. And so the people who represent me shouldn't do it either. You know, uh and 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 even and even and even if I do, you know, uh y'all don't. You know, y'all play y'all y'all be the good cops. Let me be the bad cop. You know. Uh but but it, it's it's how you talk to people. So assume the best. Because let me tell you something. If people volunteer their time and effort and drive across town and and buy stuff and do this for the ministry. They have the ministry at heart. Nobody volunteers to sabotage, you know. Uh, and so um, I think I've learned that we have to assume good intentions about people. And people who don't know, let's help them. You know, let's help them. Folk won't always get it right. You know, I've messed up some sermons. Yeah. I really have. And even with that being said, those of you who come to church and let's just say the greed of having a bad Sunday, I really wish they wouldn't. I really wish they would say, you know, I'm not going to sit down today. Uh, or someone, you know, looks at you or says something. And, and again, I know it's a turnoff. And I know what you say, the folk who come, well, I'm going to go somewhere else. I don't have to put up with this and that and the other. Number one, you ain't serving, probably. And you coming to sit down. And I get that you want people to be warm and welcoming to you and to be inclusive. But never forget that the people who are serving are also human. And they might be having a bad day as well. You know, the Greta, you know, she's, she might be working through her health issues. And and I know I've said, hey, well, sis, sit down, bro, sit down. Maybe we, maybe we, maybe they can't sit down. And they all we got right now. And they're trying to work through it. And so before you get offended, how about you just say, if if that's your church member, before you get offended by their look or their coldness, how about you say, hey, sis, let me pray for you. You need a hug? Because here's the whole thing. You choose to be offended. Offense is, offense is a choice. You choose to get mad. You choose to get angry. You choose to get upset. But as a Christian, if the greeter or if the preacher or somebody is nasty to you or rude to you, then as a Christian, why don't you be a Christian and say, hey, you okay? This, this, this isn't you. 
because of the you no. Know, when I saw you last week, you were loving and kind and welcoming, but you seem off today. Can I can I pray for you? Listen, don't tell me your business. Can I pray for you? Can I hug you? You want to talk because we're a family. But if you choose to, hmm, well, you, you ain't got to speak to me again. I mean, you're rude, nasty. Guess what? Then you're showing how unchristlike you are. Because how is it you want them to be warm and welcoming to you? But if you see them in need, in distress, then the Christ in you should say, before I get offended or before I get angry or before I leave the church because this person pissed me off or made me mad or the greeter said this or so-and-so said this. If you know their heart, if you know who they are, because here's the reason why. You should know me as a pastor. And so the people who represent me should be nice, should be loving, should be kind. And if they aren't, then we got a problem. But if you know their heart, hey, hey, listen, 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 listen. Last week I saw you and you, we laughed and we talked and, 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 you know, you were, you were great, but now you snappy. You snappy. And guess what? They may say, my mama said, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to it. I'm going through a divorce. I had a fight with my husband or, you know, I, I, I don't have any gas money to get home and I'm just on edge because I don't want to ask anybody for money. I don't want to be embarrassed and have to beg for money. And so I'm sorry, I'm just a little snappy. And they may apologize to you or they may see God in you when you say, you know what? Let me love on you. Let me pray for you. Because sometimes, watch this, the people who minister need ministering. I hope you got that. Some people, some, sometimes the people who serve need to be served. Sometimes the people who pour out need to be poured into. And so before you who come to church, because guess what? Some of you who just show up, you ain't done nothing. You ain't served. You, 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 you ain't, you know what? You just show up at church. Some of them folk been at fellowship since six o'clock in the morning, getting stuff in order on top of their own issue. They've sacrificed getting up early. They worked all week. They rehearsed. They've met on Zoom. They've planned. They've had meetings and 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 conference calls. You who don't who don't serve, you know nothing about it. And so you get there expecting people, and people like that have to understand. I'm gonna say this to you. One of the reasons why some of you can't get past your church hurt 
is because you think the church is there to serve you, but you are there to serve the church. And you think you are entitled that everyone has to be loving and kind to you. We aren't there just to serve you. You should be there to serve the church. And even if you aren't serving in a ministry, your service should be love and consideration and kindness to people. Stop that entitled mentality that the church is there to serve you because Jesus says the greatest among them is a servant. And if you just show up to be entertained, you aren't a servant. You're looking for a sideshow. So maybe you can get past your church hurt and your entitlement spirit if you just get somewhere and serve and put your hand to the plow to aid the ministry, to push the ministry forward and stop sitting back critiquing and criticizing who's nasty, who's mean, what they should be doing because you don't know what they left at home. And guess what? They may not even be looking at you. Sometimes people can be, because I'm one, I can look at you, child, and I don't even see you. My mind's somewhere else. And so here it is. Before you get offended, how about you minister to them? And even if they continue to be rude as a Christian, that's your job to pray for them. Because don't forget the days you've been rude. The days you've been nasty. The days you've been short and snappy. And here it is. Don't expect people to always be kind to you and speak to you and respect you and you never give it back. That's one-sided. You, you ain't that important. Nor is your title or your position from the pastor on down. All of us are servants. All of us are servants, man. And there are pastors right now who have emptied their churches by talking to people crazy. There are pastors who, who once had churches full of people where they have emptied their churches talking to people crazy. Why? Because this new Negro don't have the same commitment to the church that folk in the 60s, 70s, or 80s, and early 90s did. did. These Negroes today, they sensitive. And the first time you say something they don't like, they're getting their feelings and you'll never see them again. And that's a whole nother sermon. Just sensitive and easily offended. And that's the problem too with church people. Y'all so sensitive, easily offended, can't say nothing and you're getting your feelings and you leave it. Just leave it. No commitment to nothing. Can't take correction, can't take, can't take being poured into, can't, can't. Why? Why? But let me move on because, yeah, I, I, I'll be up here all night. Thirdly, talents are magnified when serving others. Your gift is not just for you. 
somehow, some way, when you use your talent to help others, those talents are magnified. And one of the reasons that is, is because you ought to help pour into people. And one of the problems with the church is, especially the Baptist church, is always just one person or who can do this and one person who can do that and one person who can do this and nobody cross trains and and no one shares their gifts or trains other people now when you out or when you sick or when you die the whole church fall apart because you were so power hungry and controlling you refused to share your gifts with other people thinking they were going to take your little position your title and now you've made the church your own little kingdom. Which is why it ain't good to leave people in offices for 30 years. Ain't nobody should be in an office like that for eternity, man. You know, deacon chairman 40 years, church secretary 35 years, you know, uh 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 uh, uh church treasurer 40 42 years. You know, now he think all the money he is. What are going to do with the money? What? Write a check. What did you check for? We ain't got no money. Because we made the church our kingdoms. Like, it's my job to pour into my preachers. And guess what? If Leroy gets to church, he's my son now. Praise the Lord. You know, if, 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 you know, if, if, if Bob gets an executive pastor job somewhere, hey, that's my daughter. I'm, let's go because their purpose with me right now just might be to train them or tweak them in certain areas where they're weak or where they're lacking and God will send them on to be promoted it, it's, it's not just them sitting up looking at me 40 years that's why now I got them doing, you know, Bible study, you know, uh, the prayer call. No, they baptizing because they're not, they, they not finna work me to death. The devil is a lie. I ain't finna prayer call, teach Bible study, preach, baptize. Uh, I, I'm not doing all that. Because guess what? If I don't train them, if they do get a call, guess what? They don't know what to do. Why? Because the pastor was a narcissist and he had to do everything himself. They couldn't teach. They couldn't preach. They couldn't do nothing. And so now when they get called to a church, they don't know nothing because the pastor made the entire church and ministry about him or about her. So what's the point of it? I'm not angry if they say, hey, I got called to a church. Praise God. Or, hey, doc, 
listen, I got offered a position at this ministry to do this. Wonderful. They're still mine. My hand is still on them. My DNA spiritually is still in them. I send them forth. And so share your gift. Pour into some teenager, pour into some young girl or some young guy who's in the pews, train people to do. Because guess what? We all might get sick. Any of us could die. And if you do what you do, lock, stock, and barrel, you should love the church beyond the grave. You, 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 you know, we got to pour into people. Nobody at fellowship will be in position in 30 years. Nobody. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna rotate that thing. Don't, don't, don't even get comfortable. Because people get possessive. And then and then when you try, Keon Henderson said that to me, I think it, I think it was Keon, that everybody has a two-year slot as a leader. And then six months prior to your two years being over, you have to train the person that will follow you. I'm going to tell you why. Because pastors always catch hell when people stay in a position too long. It is inevitable. It is inevitable. And if he don't catch it, the next pastor going to catch it. He ain't going to move me. And I mean, I mean honestly, it's, I, I, it's in my bylaws that, that when I retire, the, the 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 day I announce my retirement, the day I announce my retirement, everybody on my team is retiring. Mandatory. And if the next pastor who I appoint, if he chooses to keep you, that's his problem. But guess what? When Barack Obama left, his people left. When 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 Trump left, his people left. When Reagan left, his people left. When Bush left, his people left. Because no pastor can serve effectively with the other man's staff. Why? Because their loyalty is to the dead pastor or the retired pastor. And he can't get nothing done because all the old pastor's team is going to say is, pastor didn't do it that way. We do it like this. He dead. He retired. You can go with him. Because we, 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 you, you can't, you can't, nobody can serve like that. No pastor can serve, all, and all he hear is, Reverend so-and-so used to do it like that. Pastor so-and-so, he didn't do it like that. Why you doing it like that? Reverend so-and-so didn't do it like that. He wouldn't have said that. He came to this. He ain't coming to that. Reverend so-and-so came to this. Reverend so-and-so did this. Pastor so-and-so did that. He been dead a year. Retired too. Why are you talking? 
So that's why when I go, my whole team got to go. If you don't go, I'm going to fire you before, before, before the next pastor come. If you don't leave voluntarily, I'm firing you before he come or before she comes. Maybe a woman. I don't know. So use your gifts and say, this is bigger than me. That's why the next pastor, before I retire, a year before I retire, they're coming in and going to run that thing, and I'm going to watch. I'm going to preach, and they're going to preach. Because, child, I'm retiring, and I'm going to drink wine with the Episcopalians. I mean that. All right. Fourthly and last, I'm done. Service is not always convenient. Serving. Stop always looking for perfect weather for you to feel perfect to serve. Serving ain't always convenient. Service is sacrifice. Getting up early for church is sacrifice. Driving across town until we can get our building is sacrifice. Giving is sacrifice. Working, knowing this is the church plant, not getting a check, it's sacrifice. And sacrifice isn't always convenient. But when you love God and when you are committed to God and the kingdom, because you know that God was committed to you through his son, Christ Jesus, you sacrifice and you don't complain. It's too hot. It's too cold. I got to drive over here. I ain't getting paid for this. I could be in my bed. It's cold outside. It's raining outside. I got a sinus infection. I'm sneezing. My feet hurt. Shut up. And serve. Because Jesus served you. Must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? No, there's a cross for everyone and there's a cross for me. Ministry is sacrifice. He ain't called my name. Why he put her there? He don't know her like that. Why he ain't give me that position? I ain't got no title. I ain't got no badge. He, he do he know her? He must like her. Is he sleeping with her? Why they must they? That's they click. Serving is never convenient. If you want to make excuses, you'll find excuses. If you just don't want to do it, then just say that. Just quit. Just resign. Just go somewhere else. But serving is never convenient. It is never convenient. You do it because you love God. You do it because you're called. You do it because you're gifted. You do it because you know that you aren't working for a paycheck. They ain't paid me. I ain't got no money. The church is a business. You know this is a church plant. So why are you money hungry? You know we're looking for a building. Why we got to pay you for everything? It's, 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 nobody wants to volunteer anymore. 
Everybody wants to check. Everybody wants to get paid. Everybody. Well, this is a business. I mean, you got to do this like a business. It's a, well, church is a business. But this is also the church. And does anybody give their time and talent to the church anymore without wanting to receive something in return? Or my time is valuable. I ain't got time. This is your pay for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And no church is strong without volunteers. Whether it's Willow Avenue, the church without walls, yes, they have paid staff, but I promise you, they have far more volunteers of people who work all day and leave their jobs and show up at, that, at those churches to do their part for the cause of Christ and the ministry and never did a dime and don't want to die. Why? Because they understand serving is never convenient, but I do this because God has purposed it in my heart. And some of you are going to miss a whole lot of blessings from God because all you want is a check or your name to be called and you ain't got time to serve unless you lead because you want a title, you want a check, you want a position. And that ain't what this is all about. And before y'all hop on the pastor, I know a lot of pastors who put more money in that church than they get paid. I know a lot of pastors who don't get paid. I know a bunch of pastors who paid the church's rent and the church's light bill before they paid their own light bill, before they paid their own rent and had to tell their wives I had to pay the rent at the church or their husbands. I know a bunch of pastors get an anniversary and can't keep it. Why? Because the church ain't got nothing. Give it right back. I know pastors who work all day and then go to the church, go to the hospital, the nursing homes. Every pastor ain't like that idiot in New York wearing Gucci suits and and, and flaunting his closet and, you know, no. The average pastor has a small church. The Marcus Cosby's, the Ralph Douglas West's, the Joel Osteen's, the Ed Young's, they're rarities. You really got some pastors with good hearts. I gave $17,000 to fellowship before the doors opened. I did. I did. I gave over $17,000 before fellowship opened its doors. I did. Because if I can't lead by example, I shouldn't be the pastor. 
If I can't sacrifice, I shouldn't be the pastor. And I can't ask my people to do what I won't do. I can't ask y'all to give into a vision I don't give into. I was supposed to go back to school this month, but I couldn't. Between my house, my mama's uh, business, and pouring in the fellowship, I couldn't afford it. But the day will come. Why? Because I put the church first. I put my mama first. And I put my family first. And so when God blesses me to go back, I'll go back and I'll finish. You can never go wrong with doing right by God. You can never go wrong with doing right by his church. And sometimes your name won't get called. Sometimes you won't get recognized. Sometimes you won't get the plaque of a certificate. Sometimes you might get overlooked. Sometimes you might get your feelings hurt. Sometimes somebody might be rude to you, be nasty to you. Who are you serving? And if you that sensitive for the first time someone hurts your feelings, you leave, you ain't, you ain't, you ain't here for God no way. The first time somebody says something to you that offends you, you ain't here for God no way you leave. You ain't here for God. The first time you don't get the position you wanted and you pack up and leave, you ain't here for God. That's just some lessons I've learned from pastoring 